It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we have a really special community birth story. And it's special to me because it's one of our PYC teaching team's birth story, Caroline Williams. Caroline has taught for several years at PYC and she just recently left New York and she moved out West. Oh, we're going to miss her. She's an amazing teacher. And she recently had a baby. And I asked her if she is willing at this point postpartum to jump on and do a podcast episode, and she said yes. So I think you're going to enjoy this incredible birth story. She had some challenges, which I think a lot of people can relate to, and then we can also celebrate the birth of her daughter. So I'm appreciative that she shared that with us, and I think as a listener, you'll get a lot out of that. But let me tell you a little bit about Caroline. So she started her yoga journey over 10 years ago, seeking a sense of peace while pursuing a career in politics. And five years ago, she changed career paths when she completed her yoga certification. And she started a YouTube channel, which now has over 45,000 subscribers. She specializes in teaching faith-based yoga and prenatal yoga. She trained at PYC. And prior to COVID, she led yoga retreats all around the world. But these days, she leads an online yoga community called The Abbey from her home in the Pacific Northwest. And she just welcomed her first baby. So it's an awesome story. So thank you for listening. Before we get to that, I wanted to thank everyone that continues to come to class and show up online. Our community has blossomed so beautifully. At the beginning of every class, we go around and do circle time where people say their name and how far along they are. And we recently added saying where they're tuning in from. And I just love hearing that people are tuning in from all around the world. Wow. Our community has really expanded. And I just love knowing that we are here supporting one another. Pregnancy can feel isolating and we can break down those walls and that isolation by showing up for one another. So thank you for those that are doing so. If you are interested in continuing to learn about what we're doing online, check out on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com, and you can sign up and join our newsletter. And when you do, when you sign up, you'll get a downloadable, the five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. And it's a great, uh, it's a great little downloadable that you can just refer to if your back's hurting, if your hips are hurting, the, your, your butt, your shoulders, whatever. We've got it all covered for you, the five simple solutions. 
questions. We also have our teacher training, and we know we're doing the March and April online. I don't know about the fall. So if you were thinking that you want to take the PYC teacher training, you may not be able to or want to come to New York. We've got the March, April one online. So check that out. That's also on our website. Okay, enough about me. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy the conversation with Caroline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Caroline. How are you? Hi, Deb. I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing well. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to hear about your birth story. I've watched it online. I miss that. We're not teaching, you're not teaching at PYC and you're not in the area anymore. And I couldn't watch you go through your pregnancy, but it was fun. At least that's what social media is for. <laughs> totally. I'm so grateful to be here and excited to share my story. And, um, yeah, what a wild year of being pregnant. Oh, you person with other people, but yeah, you've had some big changes recently. I mean, you moved, you had a baby. That's a lot going on. It was, yeah, it was kind of a big year. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I've had the joy of getting to know you because you did the PYC teacher training and I was fortunate enough to have you as a teacher on staff. I'd love if you can just share a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Um, I have been a yoga teacher for just over five years and um, trained at PYC about four years ago. Um, always had an interest in birth and thought for a while. I used to work in politics and spent a few years being like, oh, I don't think this is what I want to do. What do I actually want to do? And in the midst of that was like, I'm going to become a midwife and started exploring that route and then realized very quickly, like, oh, I don't do well with bodily fluids and like <laughs> having a person's life in my hands is a lot, a lot of responsibility. So I kind of shelved that and, and like many yoga teachers just loved the practice and signed up for training, loved that. And then, um, discovered like, Oh, I could teach yoga to pregnant people and it would satisfy this, this birth itch without, you know, having someone's life in my hands. So loved my training at PYC, loved the years that I got to teach there and the students I got to meet. And, um, um, always was curious about being pregnant myself and thought I would really love that. I would say to people, you know, like, I'm, I don't really know how I feel about being a mother, but I'm excited for like pregnancy and birth. Like that really excited me. So it was interesting to, to finally walk through that myself this last year. Oh, I'm so excited to hear about that. And don't forget, I mean, I would love for you to share, not don't forget, because clearly you know, but you also, what's so interesting is I had no idea about your other teachings, your faith-based teachings. The whole time that you were doing teacher training and even starting as a teacher, it wasn't until I kind of caught that on the side. You don't talk about that as much, um, or you didn't <laughs> during the training. Will you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So, um, my, I, 
my real passion and, and what I feel I'm most naturally inclined towards is teaching yoga from a faith-based perspective. Um, so weaving in like Christian spirituality into the classes I teach and really helping people embody their faith. Um, I find in my experience and the experience of many people that our spiritual lives or our faith can be really disconnected from our physical bodies. And what I found when I was practicing yoga was just this much deeper revelation and intimacy in my spiritual life through yoga and just this embodiment practice. And so, um, I started a YouTube channel of five years ago and that exploded. There's about 45,000 followers on YouTube now, and it sort of evolved into yoga retreats and now an, an online membership community called the Abbey. And so that's, um, that's also what I do is help people connect their faith with their bodies through yoga and meditation. I love that you are so embodied within so many aspects of yoga. So I guess we'll dive into the prenatal part. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of my, that's my jam. So you yeah. taught prenatal for a while before, as in, in a lot of our teachers have, before having their own children. As a prenatal mm-hmm. yoga teacher, how did your perception of pregnancy and birth and motherhood differ from what it actually felt like firsthand? Like, did you have this idea of it? And then once you went through it, you're like, oh, a little different. Or was it really <laughs> a tune? Yeah. Um, I... I think the biggest revelation for me was how, how much slower my own practice got, the more <laughs> farther along in my pregnancy I got. And I think I, I sort of gained this reputation at the PYC or people came to my classes knowing they were going to be a bit more challenging. Yeah. And, um, and some people really loved that. And some people never came back to my classes. <laughs> and I always felt like as a teacher, I want to challenge, you know, I want to make this experience worth it. I want to challenge people and especially people who are used to having a, a yoga practice and practicing elsewhere and just realizing finally like, okay, I can't keep up with those classes, but I still want a good workout. And so I wanted to bring that to them. And, um, but I, <laughs> I think the more farther along I got in the pregnancy, the more I'm like, oh, now I just want to lie in Shavasana for 10 minutes and move really slowly for 10 more minutes and then do Shavasana again. And that be, that be it. So I was like, oh man, I feel for my students sometimes who I like, I really sort of maybe push things not beyond their ability, but it was challenging. And I, um, pregnancy is physically so demanding that the restorative aspect of yoga, um, is, was really, I find the benefit of it. (laughs) I can definitely relate. (laughs) I felt a little bad as I was pregnant, like, oh man, maybe I should have been a little easier on everyone. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. They, those that wanted to come back and wanted that, they, they did. But yeah, it's, totally. it, pregnancy definitely, for me, I definitely noticed a difference in almost the empathy of the pregnant person once I yeah. had my own baby. Doesn't mean that you can't be an excellent prenatal yoga teacher with, you know, with birth is not a prerequisite, but it gave me a right. different, a different perspective. And I was just curious. And yeah, I'm glad to hear something shifted there. So yeah, empathy for sure. Yeah. So what was your pregnancy like? It was, um, very textbook. First trimester was, I was exhausted and so nauseous. And that was in the midst of that first trimester, COVID was just starting to hit. We knew we wanted to leave New York city and had planned to move, but then COVID started to hit and 
no one really knew what was happening. And so it was like, oh my gosh, is this city going to be shut down? Will we even be able to move? And we ended the lease on our apartment, but we're afraid that we would have to be out of our apartment, but not be able to leave New York city and be homeless. So anyway, we ex like we decided on a Friday, we were going to move on a Monday and packed up the whole apartment, rented a U-Haul and started driving. And I was, I don't know, 10 weeks pregnant. So that was miserable driving across the country and, and doing that. Um, so first trimester was exhausting. Second trimester was great, easy. Um, third trimester, just, I felt uncomfortable all the time couldn't, you know, you'd sit down and, and two minutes later, you'd have to like reposition yourself. And so that was, that was pregnancy. I think the biggest thing I struggled with was, um, this lack of creativity and ambition, which were so important to me and felt so integral to my identity in general. And then I got pregnant and just felt like all that creative energy was zapped. And that must've been hard. It was really hard. And this fear that like, would it ever come back? The things that felt important to me, the work that I do that I really loved, all of a sudden I had no energy for. And people encouraged me like, you know, it, it will come back eventually. And I'm slowly now a couple of months postpartum starting to feel it come back. But that was a real, threw me for a real loop. Um, and I was the pregnancy was something that we wanted and hoped for. And so there was this gratitude that, you know, we were able to conceive and everything was pretty normal, but also this real fear and anxiety because it's all new and you know, your life is about to change in a massive way, but you can't anticipate what that will be like. And so you try and prepare, right? Like you get the room ready and you buy all the stuff and you take your prenatal vitamins and you do your yoga. But there's, I felt a lot of anxiety about, just the impending change and, and the newness of it all. Um, let's keep yeah. going on that. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to unpack that a little bit. So knowing that you really identified with the work you were doing, and I get this, like I, I'm totally my job and the motherhood changes so much responsibility, even the time, like not even, even, but like a lot of the time that you once could have committed to your work is not there. How did you, how did the role of fear and anxiety play into this transition? And then ultimately, how did you come to peace with it? Mm, good question. Um, I, I lowered my expectations for myself big time. <laughs> I, um, running your own business like I do. And like you do, you know, that it's just, it's all consuming. And for years I would, would, would call my business, my baby. And I had a, a therapist one time was like, I just, I just want to clarify, you know, that your business is on actual baby, right? Like you can leave it for a few weeks and it's not going to die. <laughs> and like the, it's, the consequences are not that big, but I, I identified so strongly with the work that I did. And, um, and, we talk about this in prenatal yoga, like how pregnancy is this invitation to begin to let go of the way you used to do things, right? Like the way you used to exercise, the way you used to move, because motherhood is this continual letting go and changing expectations and being willing to change and grow. And so that manifests in pregnancy and in prenatal yoga by changing how you move. And so I felt that on a more massive scale with the work that I did, like having to lay down 
or, or, um, just sort of re-examine the expectations I had of myself and the work that I did. And, um, I set a goal for myself to take off three months, well, four months, really a maternity leave. And so that, that provided a really helpful, tangible mile marker for me, um, in my pregnancy, instead of giving myself the expectation of just continuing to work all the way through and get back as soon as I could like to really give myself and Charlie, our baby girl, the gift of these first few months together. Um, and there will always be more that I could do and there will always be ways I could have prepared better, but, um, doing what had to get done and then just laying it down and, and letting it be was my lesson in surrender, um, during my pregnancy. And then just like really taking care of myself. I went and got a massage every month. Um, and continue to walk and do yoga and nourish my body in ways that helped me just accept and be with the change. And I think that's the scariest, one of the scariest things about pregnancy is that every single day your body changes and what you felt yesterday may feel different today, but you don't know what tomorrow will hold. And again, it's just this preparation for I'm learning for motherhood because what worked yesterday to get Charlie to sleep, it's not working today to get her to sleep. And so we have to be present with who she is today and what she needs from us today and roll with it. Um, and for those of us who like to control things and plan things and be on top of things, it's a real discipline of presence and surrender. I, I love that you said that. We actually, in my class on Monday, we had a good group of people and we were talking a lot about control. And several of the people said they were like 30, several of them were like 34 to 36 weeks. So one of them was like, this is starting to get real. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, and I can't control it. And I'm like, yeah. And it just was this conversation of learning to give up control. And one of the things I had brought up is we think we have control and then we think we have control of our kids, but, but we don't like they have their own personalities. Just like you said, you know, one day something you do, you're like, yeah, we got this going. We got Charlie to sleep, to sleep. We know how to do this. And the next day she's like, think again. So (laughs) it's like this idea of control is it's an idea that's not realistic. It's, it's something if we can surrender to that, it can make us all a little happier, which brings me into talking about preparing for birth. Talk about letting go of control. I mean, it's its own <laughs> wild river that we can yeah. prepare and have coping skills and get our, our birth posse together, but it's really this ride that we just have to go on. So will you talk to me a little bit about how you prepared for birth. I know you gathered a wonderful birth team. I know that you were uh, originally hoping for a home birth and then the possibility of a transfer. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I feel like in, in many ways, largely through teaching so much prenatal yoga, I feel like I've been preparing for birth for years. <laughs> um, and physically what that looked like was while I was pregnant, continuing to walk and do yoga and, and bring my body sort of to the, the best place that I feel like I could in my control to be ready for the physical work of birth. Um, we're very thoughtful, like you said, about the people that we surrounded ourselves with, the midwives that we chose, the doula that we chose was a friend of ours from college. And, um, and so getting those things in order, I think gave me peace about the, the big 
life-changing whole body experience of labor. Um, and yeah, listening to podcasts, reading books, all those things were helpful just getting in the mental mindset, but it's, you know, it's going to be big and hard and life-changing and you can prepare for it. And I remember Googling so many times, like, what do contractions feel like? And I feel like I never got a good enough answer from the What internet. did it say? It felt like, they're like, like period cramps. And I was like, but what, but how, but what? And I would, I even asked my doula, like, do you remember she's had two kids? And I was like, what do they feel like? And she was like, well, no, I just felt like there's, it's such a, um, it's such an experience that it's hard to really put into words. I think people who've, who've gone through it can relate to that. And even now I'm trying to describe it. It's like, how would, how would I describe a contraction? I don't know that I would have the right words for it. Besides it's just this, you know, like we talk about in yoga, this wave that you ride, this surge that you breathe through and moan through. And, um, it's this, this surrender to this much bigger process and you are sort of along for the ride of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we planned for a home birth. Um, I loved the idea of having my baby and then getting into my bed, not having, you know, all these monitors hooked up to me or having to get in a car and drive home two days later. Um, so that was what we planned for. That was where I felt the most comfortable. And, um, we were cleared for that. We had the birth tub. I, um, I don't know. Do you want me to keep going? And, and well, I'll get into your birth story later because I, okay. <laughs> I definitely want to hear that because because <laughs> ooh, listeners, there's something coming. Um, <laughs> but did you in your mind have a plan with your team? Like, okay, if we have to transfer, mm-hmm. this is what I want. This is what I need. We did. We um, in her Penny Simkins book, The Birth Partner, she talks about creating, um, your birth preferences, Mm -hmm. but which everyone, you know, we talk a lot about, but what I thought was really wise was she was like, consider every scenario. So for me, because I knew I wanted to birth at home, there were a few different scenarios, right? There were the home birth preferences. There were the, if we transferred preferences, there was, if we had an emergency C-section preferences, there was even a, like, she talks about this in the book and it was so hard, but like, if, if something really tragic happened, Like, what do you want to happen then write it down now? Because in the moment you won't, you won't be able to deal with it. And so that was helpful for both my husband and I to really consider all the possibilities when I didn't want to, I didn't pack a hospital bag. So I was like, we're not transferring. We're going to, I'm going to have this baby at home. And, uh, which I regretted, (laughs) you know, when we did have to transfer, but, um, it was helpful to sit down and write all that out and just say, um, this is, you know, as long as there's not a serious emergency, this is what we want to happen. Um, and so at least I knew on a piece of paper somewhere was we were prepared for every scenario, even if emotionally and mentally I was still planning on birthing at home like I wanted. That's really smart advice. My, my doula Terry, who I'm sure, I think you took probably childbirth ed with that mm-hmm. during our teacher training. Um, she made me sit down and think about what would a C-section be like? How would I work with that and pack a hospital bag? And her thought is like, you pack the bag and then you just let it be. You just let it be there. Because I was like, no, I'm not going to need this. But she's like, if you, if you don't pack it, then you're going to be more hysterical if you do need it. And I'm like, okay, that yeah. makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I like the idea of really 
examining all the possibilities so that you're not caught off guard. So I want to talk about the fact I know you went 10 days past your due date. So uh-huh. <laughs> what was, what was that like? Oh my gosh. It was 10 long days. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's, it's just the weirdest thing because you know, like this baby, like, like it or not, this baby will come out Somehow. by this date. And yeah, <laughs> for me, that date was election day, which was also bizarre being like, this baby could be born on election day. Like as if this year wasn't crazy enough. <laughs> um, but Gosh, yeah, they were 10 long days. I had um, a lot of prodromal labor, which I didn't, I I didn't feel like I knew a lot about or had talked a lot about. But for all pretty much all those 10 days, every day, I would have a few hours of contractions. And they were they were like, you know, feel like early period cramps. It was nothing ever really strong or intense. But every day it was like, oh, is this it? And it's just, it's so weird because you beg for them to get more intense. And I would go to sleep every night being like, please, I want to wake up at midnight and like, let this be the real thing. And I wouldn't, I'd wake up the next morning and still be pregnant. And it was just, again, another lesson in surrender. I did everything you could do. I did chiropractor, acupuncture, had my membrane swept three times. I pumped, I walked, I had sex. I did all the things to try and induce labor. And it was like, she's going to come where she wants to come. Like I can do my part, but she needs to release the hormones that she needs to release to initiate labor. And I can't control that. Um, and uh, that as someone who likes to control things was another lesson. And like, all right, she's her own person. We do this together. I can't just force my will on her. We need to do this together. Um, so yeah, it was 10 long days and I actually went in labor started the evening of day eight and she wasn't born till day 10. So, Oh um, wow. I didn't realize it was that long. I feel for you. My labor for my son was two days and anyone that has that long of a labor holds a very special place in my heart because it is, (laughs) it is a different mountain than a shorter labor. It is a mental and physically emotionally hard mountain to have climbed. Yeah. I, I can't imagine like people who are like, Oh yeah, I went in at 10 and had my baby at four. I'm like, well, what is that like? <laughs> your second one. I wish that you for your second one, <laughs> if you have another, Thank just you. putting that out Thank there. All right. So I want to hear about your birth story, but we're going to take a super quick break and we come back. I re- I want to hear how it all unfolds. We'll be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. 
The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame, so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Okay, two days. Let's go. How did, how did this give me the story? <laughs> yeah. So day eight, saw my midwife again, did a stress test again. Baby's heart rate was totally fine. Um, and she, I, I'd taken this herbal tonic to help induce labor as well. She's like, I want you to do this. The circuit is what they call it. So you, um, For the mile take circuit. the tonic. I, no, it wasn't a mile. I was, I was doing the mile circuit. This was not a mile circuit. This okay. was pump for 20 minutes, walk for 20 minutes, rest for 20 minutes and do that three times and then be done with it. And so I was like, all right, bring it on. So I pumped for 20 minutes, walked for 20 minutes, rest for 20 minutes, did three rounds of that. And I had, you know, again, small contractions. I had my membranes up that morning, which always sort of brought on a little bit of contracting. Um, and, but they lasted, it was about 8.30. I went and took a shower and was like, okay, they're still here. This is the longest they've ever been around. And I had to sort of pause for a minute or two while I was having contractions. But it was nothing nothing big. Um, went to sleep, fell asleep, but then woke up around midnight to go to the bathroom. And it was like, oh, I can't go back to sleep now. These are more intense. And so that was about 12.30. Um, we called the midwife maybe an hour later just to let her know. Um, contractions at that point were like six minutes apart. She was like, all right, great. Call, call me back when they're about four minutes apart. And it was really like an hour later that we called her back. So about two 30 in the morning. And at that point, like there was no talking, there was no excitement. Like it, each contraction required my full attention. Um, so we called her back. She came over, checked me about three 30 in the morning and I was four centimeters dilated had been about two earlier in the day. So I was like, okay, great. We're making progress. Um, I got in a tub at that point, which felt awesome. She checked me again about six, uh, but probably about eight in the morning, six or eight in the morning. And I progressed to six centimeters. And I was like, great. I'm going to have this baby before lunch. <laughs> and I remember like we talk about this in prenatal yoga um, labor math where I yeah, was, I was very conscious of that. <laughs> I even said to the midwives, like, I don't want to be checked very often because I don't want the feeling of disappointment if I don't progress in the time that I want to. And that stalls things. So I was like very resistant to being checked. But at that, at that point, I mean, things were progressing well. So I was like, great, six centimeters. I've been at this for a few hours. Like I'm going to have this baby before noon. And, uh, yeah, that must've been about 6 a.m. She checked me again later in the morning. I was still at six. Checked me again around noon, still at six. She was like, all right, I think the next thing we can do is break your water and see if that helps things progress. So broke my water, 
Um, I was in and out of the tub at this point, sitting backwards on the toilet or leaning over the couch. Um, but it was all back labor, 100% back labor. And so Brian, my husband and our doula, every contraction, it was pressure on my hips and my low back. And I remember hearing Brian whisper to the midwife, like, are these bruises okay? Like, are they going to go away? She was like, yeah, don't worry about them. But I was, I, it was, it couldn't have been more like I needed more pressure. It didn't feel over. And I told him that I was like harder, harder every time. Um, but I felt like labor had to be progressing because every contraction felt longer and stronger. They felt closer together. I was, I'd thrown up a couple of times. Um, and I visualized with every contraction, you know, getting those last four centimeters and checked me again at about two in the afternoon. I was still at six centimeters. And so now it was like, okay, what can we do to reposition baby? Cause clearly there's a positioning issue and we knew going into it, um, that she was probably posterior. So her spine and my spine were against each other, which she was head down, which is great, but not in an optimal position for birth. So tried belly sifting and I would, you know, put a foot on the stairs and try and do some side lunges, but the contractions were so intense that it was, it was so hard to do any of that. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Knowing that you have so much information as a prenatal teacher, you knew what back labor was, you knew position, you knew what a dysfunctional labor pattern looks like. How was it to not be, or maybe you were in your head, did you find that you're like, oh no, I know what this means? (laughs) Um, I think I felt... Well, there was one part of me that was like, I know labor can be unpredictable. And at any point she can change positions. Like even while she's coming down through the birth canal, she can turn herself the right way. So there was this sense of hope and optimism that like, we can do this. It's, she can turn around. This will be okay. Um, there was also a, a failure isn't quite the right word, but a sense of disappointment. Like, okay, I did everything to help her be in the right position. Like I wasn't lounging on the couch all the time. I was forward leaning. I was, you know, sitting on a yoga ball all the time. I was doing my yoga, like doing all these things that you should do to help her be in the right position. And still like a week before she flipped herself around and just settled there. And so there was a sense of, again, like I can't control this. (laughs) I could do my part and do the best that I can to encourage you to go the right way. But you're your own person. Oh, she is teaching you early. Um, Mama, I have my mind. I am my own person. Oh, <laughs> Good she luck is, in yeah. your teenage years. <laughs> oh my gosh. We started seeing a craniosacral therapist because of, I mean, it was a long labor and she's had some, it's a few nursing challenges. And the therapist called her a little CEO the other day. And I was like, that is a perfect description for her. Like, girlfriend knows what she wants. Yeah. All right. So Uh, you're trying to sift baby. You had some realization that baby's not in the right position. Keep going. Um, some realization, but also it was so, I mean, by that point I'd been laboring for close to 18 hours and it was so intense and I'd thrown up enough times that I really was dehydrated and exhausted and just didn't have any food in me. So I was 
there was also not really a concept of time and progress. It was like every, each contraction required my full attention. And that was all I could be present for. Um, so the midwife checked me again about four o'clock and said, you're still six centimeters. And I felt disappointed, but not dissuaded. Like, okay, we got to, we got to keep going. And then she said to me, you've been at six centimeters for 10 hours. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I've been at this for 10 hours and we haven't made any progress. And that's when it hit me like, okay, I'm going to need some help because I can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Ryan can't keep doing this. Like it was, you know, a hugely physical work on his part to help me with every contraction. And, um, yeah, I just remember thinking like, there's nothing more I can do. There's no amount of my determination is gonna, is gonna help my cervix dilate more. And she said so lovingly, she's like, you know, if you want to keep at it, I'll stay here with you. We'll give you an IV. We can try and do some more movement to try and turn her. But I think what you really need now is some rest. Like let your pelvic muscles rest and relax because they're so tight because they've been working so hard for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, I think, I think an epidural and some rest will really help move things along. How'd that feel? I sat with it for an hour. I was like, I want to stay and, and get the IV and just see how things go. You know, I wasn't, it it didn't feel like failure, but I was like, I need some time to, to be okay with it. Right. And to feel like it's the right decision and I'm not being coerced into it. Not that she was coercing me, but I needed some time to accept Mm it. So got an IV, tried to move a little bit more. And as I moved, it was like, no, I can't can't do lunges on the stairs. I have no strength. The contractions are so intense. Um, I don't, there's no way I'm going to make it. So, um, at that point, Brian ran around, collected some things from my hospital bag. Cause like I said, I'd stubbornly refused to pack one. Um, and we got in the car and went to the hospital and the drive was the worst 30 minutes of my life. Um, but we got to the hospital and we, uh, I mentioned earlier, we, we moved from New York city at the start of my pregnancy and we moved to a, a much smaller college town. So the hospital had like 12 labor and delivery rooms, like this great small hospital. Um, but because of COVID, we couldn't go and tour it beforehand. So I didn't really know what to expect. What I anticipated was, um, I had a lot of reluctance to go to the hospital. Let's put it that way. There's the reason I chose to birth at home. I felt like I was more in control of, um, my birth that I wouldn't be sort of pressured into interventions that I didn't want. I wanted to birth on my own time and my own way and felt like if I went to the hospital, I wouldn't receive that. Um, but I desperately needed some help and some rest and knew that, you know, the midwives can't administer an epidural at home. So this was, this was my source of help. So we went, um, they, (laughs) I had to have a COVID test first. I had to have my blood drawn first. Once the COVID test came back negative, then they could administer the epidural. And it was, it was just the greatest thing in the world. I remember lying in bed feeling like, why on earth was I so resistant to this? This is the miracle drug. Um, it was, it was just the sweetest relief. They put me on um, epidural and Pitocin and, um, 
the doctor came in and, and with the nurses there, read over my birth preferences, talked to me about them, um, talked about her, how she thought we should move forward with care. And so I felt like the things that I was really worried about happening, you know, sort of being pressured into this thing or ignored were, were totally baseless. Like the, the doctor and the staff were so wonderful, um, so non-judgmental and encouraging and supportive. And um, I was... I was so grateful. And I've, I've had no other women who've had epidurals have sort of said something similar, like, oh, it's the best thing in the world. But it, it truly was the best thing in the world. I'm uh, so glad that you had a doctor that was absolutely like, I'm glad you're here. We are here to respect you. I think that's what a lot of it has to do. It's how it's that they respected your choices. They didn't try to bulldoze. That's so important to feel seen and heard and part of the experience. Totally. Um, and just to have them, you know, I was afraid that we'd, we'd bring in our birth preferences and be like, oh, this is nice and just kind of shove it in the back of a folder. But they like taped it up in the room. And every oh, time a came in or nurse came in, they read it out loud together in front of us. And, um, and so it just felt super affirming in that sense. Um, so that was about... 7.30 p.m. when I got the epidural. And it wasn't until 7.30 a.m. that I fully dilated and got the green light to start pushing. So my body needed, and I had probably two or three IV bags in that time. Um, I got some chicken broth and apple juice to sip on, and um, it was it, it was sweet. <laughs> so, um, and Brian would say like, it was, he was like, finally about two or three AM I sat up in my bed and we, the nurses were in the room and we had this like hour long conversation. And he was like, I finally, I could relax at that point because you were yourself again. Like you were lucid and could have a conversation. And, um, I think it gave him some relief as well. Did he so, ever talk to you about what he was feeling during that watching you go through it? He has said uh, since, he's like, I can never complain about anything ever again. Like what you went through was the most intense thing I've ever seen. Um, and so I think he he was afraid, but... Um, felt supported by our doula and our midwives and wanted to be as hands-on and present as possible. Um, but yeah, I think it did, it did scare him when I'd been working so hard for so long and things still weren't progressing. Mm. I think it was discouraging for him too. Yeah. Um, so he felt supported by the decision to go to the hospital, but we, he knew my reservations. And so we got to the hospital and, you know, the doctor came in and was like, all right, I think we should administer the epidural and I'm going to put you on Pitocin. And we, he'd known from conversations we'd have and, and watching things like, um, Ricky Lake's documentary about, um, what's it called? This is the being born. Being born, yeah, he was like, Pitocin is bad. And so he, <laughs> he, he's like, is there something else more natural we can do instead of Pitocin? And I had to like talk him down, be like, no, Brian, this is what we need right now. Like, it's okay, the Pitocin is good. Uh, but he was ready to go to bat for, for me, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, so yeah, 7.30 a.m., finally, the doctors that I was fully dilated, I never thought that moment would come. It was like the greatest three words I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> And I was 
again, like so excited to start pushing to finally be making progress. Um, they, I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't know this at the time, but the nurses have since told me and the pelvic floor therapist has since told me that most women nowadays who have a posterior position baby end up having C-sections. Um, and so I was, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that I was like, okay, her head's down. We can push her out. Um, but the biggest part of her head was going to be coming out first, which was, it was going to be a huge challenge no matter what. Um, but I pushed for three hours and, um, the doctor just, I think it was a slow morning or I don't know what it was, but for about two out of those three hours, the doctor just sat on the end of the bed and every contraction I had, she would help make more space and would encourage me. And it just, it felt so affirming to be supported in that way, knowing that she was in it with me. She wasn't just writing me off like, oh, okay, I'll come back in a little bit. Um, but she stayed with me, which made me feel like I am making progress. It is possible to, to vaginally birth this baby. Um, they brought a mirror in, which I didn't think I wanted like, Oh, that's weird. I don't really want to watch all that, but it was so helpful in the moment to see the progress that I was making and see with every push, what was happening, like what a, what a good push and what an effective push felt and looked like versus an ineffective push. Um, so that was something that I, I, you know, if you'd asked me beforehand, like, would you want a mirror to see what's happening? I've been like, no way, but <laughs> super helpful. Um, and I, I remember saying to the doctor a few different times, like, are you sure she'll come out? Are you sure she'll come out? Cause my husband has a large head and his mother tells the story about how she pushed and pushed and pushed and she couldn't get him out. So the doctors had to push his head back in and then deliver him by C-section. And I was like, that's not a thing. Like, what are you talking about? But that ingrained itself in my brain. Like, Oh my gosh, this baby's head could be too big for me. And so something I, I should have mentioned earlier, a big mantra for me during labor prep. And while I was laboring was this mantra that, that, that my baby and I fit well together and remembering that I grow a baby that is the right size and the right fit for my body. And, um, and so I just kept saying that over and over again, like we're a good fit, we're a good fit. And the doctor said, you know, I, I can't tell you if the baby's head's going to come out. Like I, I, I'm going to sit here and work with you, but I, I, I don't know. She's like, we can try a vacuum, but just know that if we try a vacuum and it doesn't work, then we have to take you in for a C-section. Like you can't try pushing some more after that. And so that was another good motivation to keep pushing, finding effective pushes, waiting for the contractions and pushing with them. Um, and then finally I must've just had one really good effective push. And I, Brian had wanted to catch the baby and I'd envisioned everything I'd learned. It's like, okay, you birth the head first and then you wait. And then with the next contraction, you birth the rest of the body. But I was like, I had one good push and it was like the doctor just grabbed her head and pulled her whole body out in like one big movement. And there she was, um, three, three and a half hours later. Wow. <laughs> I did not know it was that. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So it tell was. me, so tell me now. All right. So baby's out. 
Brian didn't get to necessarily catch her, but baby's out, probably massive relief in your brain and body. I'm guessing you'd be like, oh, you're finally out. Yeah. And you're here much sooner than I, not, I mean, you all came out at once. There wasn't like, you're almost there. Like, oh my gosh, you're here now. All right. So I wasn't going to go into this, but I'm kind of curious because you talked, you said pelvic floor PT. You pushed for three and a half hours. So I'm just inferring that, and also taking some knowledge from my many hours of pushing and, and what that did to my body. I'm, I'm guessing it was a similar state. What was your body like postpartum? How was that? How's that been? Yeah. Um, whew, it's been again, another lesson in adjusting my expectations and giving myself grace and being present for what is, um, I'm eight weeks postpartum and my pelvic floor still is really sore. Um, in the morning I wake up and it's sort of just like, Oh, I have stiff muscles and it feels a little like stiff and tired. Um, but you're, you're holding a 12 pound baby for a few hours every day. And Charlie loves to be bounced and rocked and you have to really move with her to help her relax. And so you're doing that all day or you're wearing her, you're, you're squatting up and down to pick her up and down. And by the end of the day, it just, it radiates. So, um, I'm so grateful for, for pelvic floor therapists for knowing that they exist and, um, feeling empowered to go and and find support through them. Um, I had a second degree tear. Um, but I think I've been surprised by how long the recovery process has been still. Um, and in that sense, it's, it's felt a little frustrating because I, I want to jump back into yoga and, you know, go hiking again and, and be more active than my body is really able to right now. Um, so it's, yeah. And I have to remind myself, like you pushed for three and a half hours, you had a two day labor and you carried this baby for nine months. So of course your pelvic floor is going to be sore. <laughs> um, and I, I use the analogy the other day with my mom. I was like, I, it feels like lifting a bowling ball with a cheesecloth. Oh, that, and now I'm forever going to, that's the best image. I love that. I love that because it's so real. I mean, that's just really relatable Mm -hmm. and I feel you. I really do. And I think a lot of, and thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing this. I think a lot of people have had that experience and sometimes they don't know, is it normal? Can I talk about this? And they're, and they're afraid to talk about it. So thank you for sharing your pelvic floor issues because it's real. Those that have long pushing stages, those that have long labors, it really takes a toll on one's body and the rehabbing, and especially for someone that's as active as you have been, it's hard to resist jumping in and it can feel again, like when you were talking about the transition into pregnancy and motherhood and like your, your first baby quotes was your business. Like, I'm sure there's a part of you that feels a loss of not being as active as you may want to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the balance of, of knowing for my mental and emotional health, like, okay, getting out and moving my body helps all of us feel better, helps Charlie feel better, helps me feel better, but it has to be, um, it's going to look slower and shorter 
than I would have wished it would have looked at, you know, two months in, but we'll get there. You'll get there. And, and you have, I love that I'm hearing your work with the pelvic floor PT. And I hope that all those that are listening, if you're having the same feelings, (laughs) the bowling ball Mm -hmm. being held up by a cheesecloth, pelvic floor PTs. I, I credit mine for, I call, I say she was like Humpty Dumpty. Like she put me back together. Um, because there is, you know, the pelvic floor having that kind of pressure, it's a lot. So talk to me a little bit about postpartum. So eight weeks, it's still so fresh. How's that? (laughs) I know. I have to remember that. It just, um, I'm sure anyone who's had a baby can relate to just how immediately and overwhelmingly life-changing it is. And you, I couldn't imagine life before her. Um, it's how, how all consuming it felt. Um, and so in one sense, it's like, wow, you've been here eight weeks already. Like, Oh my gosh, that's so long. You're getting so big so fast. And in a sense, it's like, it's only been two months. Like what in the world? Um, so it's been, it's been for me so wonderful. Um, I say, and I've, I've written like the moment I held her, all my fears vanished, like all the things that I was so worried about during pregnancy were just, it was like, why was I even worried about that? Like you are the most beautiful, wonderful, perfect thing in the world. And and I have nothing to be afraid of. Of course, like, you know, now there's plenty to be afraid of. Like, oh my gosh, you're not sleeping. Like, what, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? Um, but but all the anxiety about becoming a mother um, was just, it felt so silly. Um, I'm My mom was able to be here with us for the first two or three weeks, which was amazing because when Charlie was up, you know, thinking that 3am was playtime, we could give her to my mom and Brian and I could get some sleep for a couple hours. So if, if you have someone in your life like that, or have access to a night nurse or postpartum doula, I would highly recommend it. Um, it was a huge help having her around those first couple weeks. Um, and every day we're just trying to figure each other out. What is, what does Charlie need today? How can we best meet those needs for her? Um, accepting where she is, you know, like we would love for her to be sleeping six, seven, eight hours stretches, but some nights she does. And some nights she doesn't. And that's, that's okay. That's where she is. Um, and so we're, we're learning how to meet her where she is and be patient with our expectations. And, um, and just remember that this time with, you know, we're never going to get New Year's Eve with an eight week old Charlie ever again. So how do we really embrace today and be present for it today and, um, not wish more progress on her or wish for something different? I feel like it all comes back to the surrender, which feels yep. like it's been a theme well before she made her way earthside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you said earlier, like as she gets older, the the invitation to surrender will continue to evolve. <laughs> I I actually remind myself on a regular basis to embrace the moments. Like there's many an evening where my daughter will be like, read another book, read another book. And, and I've been mm-hmm. at it all day. And all I want to do is be alone or in my room or hanging yeah. out with Joey. And I actually remind myself, I'm going to miss this one day when she doesn't yeah. want to hang out with me. And so 
that helps me on those moments of surrender. So I offer that to you too, if that ever helps. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been interesting to notice what, what comes up at, you know, like eight 30 when you're trying to rock her to sleep. And I'm like, all I want is just to sit on the couch with a glass of wine and watch Netflix and how strong that desire is. So and that's <laughs> like, it's 8.30. I swear to God, that is my time too. I'm like, it's 8.30. I need to be, I need to take the mother hat off. And then sometimes it's like, but I might miss this someday. And that's yeah. what, that's, that's my through line to not flip out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what's totally. been your favorite part of postpartum and motherhood? Oh, um, a good question. I, she started smiling and, and like laughing the last week or two, which has been just oh, sweet. so fun and so rewarding. Um, I think it's been, it's, it's been a, a very empowering experience. Something that I, I was re- having such a strong identity change, like becoming a mother is this this role and this title that you'll never escape. And that really scared me for a long time. Um, but how much joy I'm finding in it has just taken me by surprise. I remember when um, my husband and I got married and I felt like a, a lot of the advice that we heard, or maybe it was just what I, what I received was marriage is hard. Marriage is work, you know, all these things, which it, it is like, you have to work at the relationship, but what surprised me and what continues to surprise me is like how much fun it is and how much joy there is. And you're with your best friend all the time. And like, what was I so worried about? Like, yeah, there are hard days, but the joy outweighs that big time. And I, I immediately felt that with Charlie, like, yeah, the nights are long and it's hard and frustrating, especially those first few weeks when you're crying and we don't know what you need, but the joy of just being with you totally outweighs the hardship of it. Um, and so that's just, I think that's been the best part of it is, is yeah, it's hard and exhausting and, and I feel really worn out, but there's also this really deep joy that I didn't anticipate or didn't know how to anticipate beforehand. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. So you have been teaching pregnant people. You've now had your own baby. You're now embarking on parenthood. If there's one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new and expectant parents, we'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. I know I'm throwing on the spot. So what <laughs> is there something <laughs> kind of simmering to the top of your mind? And by the way, can I also just note that at eight weeks postpartum, you're quite coherent. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> now, let me tell you this. I sent out an email a couple days ago to my online community being like, hey, join me for this New Year's Eve you know, I was going to talk about what we're going to do next year. And I put the date January 31st. I didn't even realize it. A few hours later, my husband was like, uh, you need to send out a correction email because you got the date wrong. <laughs> All right. So coherent goes back and forth. But, you, <laughs> but this first few months, like 
for many of us, is very sleep deprived in a fog. And you really are quite articulate. So I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> All right. So piece of advice, some final tip you want to leave people with? Yeah. Um, I, I've said a few times I was the change of identity was something that really scared me. My husband and I had been married a long time before we had kids and we traveled a lot and, you know, lived in New York and, and really chased our dreams. And I was really afraid of giving all that up. And so I had a dear friend of mine, um, who's a spiritual director create sort of like a day long ceremony for me, um, to really just grieve the previous season help me be present for this current one and then have hope for the next season. And it was, I did it a couple weeks before Charlie was born and it was just a really needed way. I think for my heart and my brain and my body to all kind of catch up with each other and, and honor and celebrate what life was like before having a baby and really hold that well, give thanks for it. And then, be excited about what was to come. And so if you are feeling, you know, overwhelmed by the big transition of becoming a parent and transitioning, don't feel shame or guilt for grieving what was, um, I think give yourself the space to celebrate and to grieve that whatever that looks like for you. If it's taking a trip or spending an afternoon journaling or seeing a therapist or whatever, I think I, I that was something that I did that after I did that, you know, day long sort of retreat or ceremony, I finally felt peace and ready to, to step into the unknown. So, um, that would be my, my piece of advice or encouragement. That sounds like a beautiful ritual. It sounds like it was really special. Yeah. Where can people find your work? I am on Instagram at Caroline W yoga. Um, or my website, carolinewilliamsyoga.com. Um, and those are probably the two best ways to connect with me. Or I'm on YouTube. As I was going to say, you got a pretty hefty YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I am so happy for you and for Brian and for your family. And I also want to thank you for carving some time out of these first few weeks. I know it's a lot going on. And, and I appreciate you giving me an hour of your time. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. It's been such it's such a joy to talk about this. I could talk about it all the time. So I'm grateful <laughs> for you and the podcast and just the space that you've created and held over the years in New York and online and on this podcast for um, for pregnant people. And um, it's an invaluable resource. So thank you. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.